Ahoy. So we're into the professional podcasting now. Is that what we're doing? If that's what we're calling so, yeah, it. Yeah, okay. So into the thick of it. Here we go. Good thing we're not here to to just entertain people because that would be a huge disappointment. <laughs> if you're here for entertainment, well, sorry. You need to reevaluate your life choices. <laughs> reevaluate your entertainment case, choices. So. But we're free, at least for now, right? <laughs> we, we are free. <laughs> As far That's, as free entertainment might be, goes, might be the best thing that can be said for us. <laughs> We're free. You know, You're not, hey, it doesn't it, cost you anything. It's as good to... as it's going to get, but oh, it doesn't golly. cost anything. So, whew, no, I'm sweating. We're, we're looking into those options. So. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, we might need to monetize to pay for some equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I just snorted right on the podcast, didn't I? So, there we go. We've done worse things on the podcast. Yes. So. But what we're really here to do is to connect the reality of God with the realities of life. And Let's so, try to do that. As we do that, we are dealing with all of the, the stuff and, and, you know, sound issues and silliness that comes out of this stuff. All, all of the, the junk is part of living in a fallen world. It's, the, it's the damage of sin and sin has lasting damage that can go on. As we learned in, in uh, Numbers 20, I've been thinking, for generations, I've been thinking centuries. about that since Sunday. I yeah. really enjoyed your sermon. Your, well, sh- your you. sermon. Um, I did not suddenly turn into Kevin, or not, Sean Connery. It's but. funny to me. I've, I've probably got more feedback from folks saying, you know, it really connected with me in Numbers 15 to 20 than just about any other section of Scripture. You know, there are things that you look at and like, well, this is... You know, New Testament stuff is practical. You know, this is uh, gospel stuff that, that is powerful and, and eternal. And you think, man, we're in the middle of numbers. How is anybody going to get anything out of this? God's word does what God intended God's word to do. And so as long as we uh, don't try to add to it or take away from it and try to polish it up, and that's one of my beefs with the way we approach uh, ministry a lot of times today is we try to polish Jesus. We try to, you know, we're going to add a little seasoning here and, and make him more palatable. That's never going to be a good formula. Right. You know, God, God's word does what God intends it to do. And Jesus is sufficient theologically to, to say he, he is enough to do everything, but he's so much more than what we ever uh, imagine. And what God has, has presented to us in his word in the old Testament is pointing us forward. You know, so what, what does the New Testament add to the Old Testament? It doesn't add it. It is the necessary completion. It's what the Old Testament was pointing forward to right. straight along. And so as we look forward from the Old Testament, we see Christ uh, foretold. He, mm-hmm. He's he's predicted. He's uh, prophesied. And we see the the line of redemption all the way through from, from the creation. Uh, you know, when we see the creation, the fall, and everything that God has been doing since then, is bringing about this this great redemption of all things, not, not just uh, the redemption of his people. Yes, uh, that foremost, but the 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 new heavens and new earth that will come in the end. We're all we're moving toward that. Right. And so the in the New Testament, then we see explained and, and unveiled. Yeah, everything that was talked about I think in veiled I was, terms in the Old I think Testament. I mentioned it before that. And I couldn't tell you what it was now, what it was called, but that Bible plan I read a couple of years ago that went back and forth each day between Old Testament passages and New Testament to kind of show you how they connect. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that because like most people, I'm like, why is this important? Why does this matter when I was reading the Old Testament? <clears throat> right. So, and, and, and I believe I texted you. I'm like, why? <laughs> well, and even like now in Numbers 20, we're, you know, we're reading that with 
uh, with 2 Corinthians 4 in hand, as we see references uh, to that. Uh, we've been we've had the book of Hebrews very close at hand as we go through this, because the, the purpose uh, to a large extent of the book of Hebrews is to connect the dots mm -hmm. for those who have that, those who are scattered, who have the um, the Hebrew background, the Jewish background. They've got the, the Tanakh, the Old Testament. They, they've held to the scriptures and they understand that. And they're processing Jesus in light of that. Mm -hmm. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, okay, so here's, here's how these dots connect. Here's why this isn't some new thing. This is what's always been here. This is why Jesus is, is the, the, the better priest. He is the, the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. It's not just like Aaron's line. There are, are um, typological uh, pictures that we see in Aaron and in Moses and, and throughout these, these things in the Old Testament that, that give us a picture, a partial picture of who Jesus is. And then Jesus completes that. He does the whole thing. So we see, like uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the, the red heifer, the ashes of the red heifer sprinkled uh, or mixed in the water and sprinkled for cleansing. Well, that's that's something that has to happen over and over again. Uh, right. And it's never going to you know, perfectly cleanse the conscience. But Jesus, on the other hand, is the is the completion of that. He fulfills all of it. And when he comes, he makes an offering by his own blood that is perfect. Mm -hmm. And does what the blood of bulls and goats and a, and a heifer could never do, right? So now when we're looking at, at this picture in Numbers 20, and it's it's not that long a chapter, and, and we've had uh, a few times recently where we've done, you know, like 17 and 18 together because it was really one story. Well, here we've got three separate things that take place within this. So we, we looked at uh, the, the, the quarreling, the strife at Meribah, when um, they, they get back to Kadesh, they've done the wandering in the wilderness that, that um, they've been, uh, if you will, sentenced to do. The Lord brings them back. They're, they're getting ready to enter the promised land again, or they're back in that area where, where the, the spies rejected God. They're going to spend another maybe a year or so getting in there, right? So they get to Kadesh. There's no water. Hmm, I wonder if this has happened before. Oh, yes, it did, right after Exodus. And Moses is frustrated with the people, and the Lord says, Moses, Aaron, take the staff, go over, speak to that rock, the water will flow. Moses uh, lets his emotions, lets his flesh get a hold of him. He strikes the rocks, they're speaking to the rock. He and Aaron uh, are not going to be allowed to enter the promised land. God doesn't reject them, right. but there is a consequence to their unfaithfulness and that they did not show God holy. So God showed himself holy in judging them and dealing with them. And then we get this story. Next week, we'll talk about the death of Aaron and, and the passing on the legacy to, to his son, Eliezer. But here we have this kind of, it, it almost seems incidental. You know, it feels like maybe this is just a transition from one to the other, except it doesn't really take us anywhere. It's a transition with no with no clear termination point. So uh, the children of Israel in Numbers twenty uh, verses fourteen to twenty one, they uh, they're at Kadesh. They're getting ready to leave. They want to finish their journey and get into to Canaan and the Promised Land. And the straight route takes them through the territory that is um, owned or governed by um, by the people of Edom, which are the descendants of Esau. Israel, the descendants of Israel, Jacob, uh, the, Jacob and Esau were brothers. They were twins. God rejected Esau and he chose Jacob. 
So we saw that story in Genesis 25 uh, from the very beginning. And, and then in 32, 33, that, that continues to play out. We have this, uh, this rift between the two brothers. Now Moses sends delegates to go and, and speak to the king of Edom and say, hey, you know, can you please just let us pass through? We we'll promise we won't touch anything. We, we won't break your furniture or anything like that. Uh, and Edom says, no, if you do, we're going to come against you. Well, please, you know, even if we do, by some chance, if somebody or our livestock drinks some of your water, or, or any, we'll pay for it. We'll, mm -hmm. You know, all we want to do is just walk through. We're going to pass through on foot. That's it. No harm, no damage. No, if you do, we're going to come against you. So then, you know, we see Edom mustering up, whether this is, you know, uh, over time or future, however it plays out. Different commentators have different takes on it because of just the, the practicality of raising up an army right now. Right. In any case. What we see in the text is that uh, the show of force mm -hmm. is to illustrate thou shalt not pass, right? right? So I, I have the, the Gandalf I was going to say, when you said it on Sunday, I was like, oh, he's bringing Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I had in my mind. So, you know, you shall not pass. That's kind of the, old guy with the, staff the attitude of, of Edom here. So Moses does the wise thing. Now, again... They're going to fight lots of battles and they have fought battles already and they have fought battles and, and destroyed people uh, <clears throat> coming out of Exodus. But God said not to go to war with Edom. Mm -hmm. This is your brother. Don't go to war with Edom. You're not getting this land. This isn't your place. Moses has the people just turn away. Mm -hmm. So a soft answer, turn it away, wrath, turn the other cheek, all you know, principles that we see throughout. We have this ongoing rift caused by the, the problem between Jacob and Esau, which was ostensibly mended in uh, chapters 32 and 33 of Genesis when uh, Jacob left Laban, having been treated by Laban the way Jacob treated Esau, didn't really care for it very much, but still having a dishonest, grasping, deceitful heart, he's not able to trust Esau, regardless of whether he should or not, he can't, because of his own sin. And, and I think that's something that, you know, we didn't really talk about on Sunday, but um, something that we should be aware of is very often the things that we uh, suspect others of, or if you will project onto others, it's because of sin in our own heart. Right. You know, when, when we're harboring sin, we tend to have a quicker fuse. We tend to, you know, mistrust other Just people, kind of see the world question that the motives. Lens. Absolutely. Um, you know, so, you know, the, the, the scripture is true, and that to the pure, all things are pure. And, and when, when our hearts are corrupted and we're following the flesh, we're going to see things that way. So pervy people see everything as pervy, right? That's, that's how it's going to work. Um, and we are all, by definition, outside of Christ, pervy, pervy people. You know? And so as we, uh, as we look I'm at sure this. I'm sure I like that word. Yeah, okay. well, it's, it's, <laughs> it was said to make people uncomfortable. That was kind of the goal. So did it make you uncomfortable? Mission accomplished. All right. Then we're, we're getting something done here. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, they 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 leave, and that's the end of the story. I'm like, what, what kind of transition is that? That this just it doesn't make sense. Why is it there? So the thing that we need to recognize is that the scripture always makes sense. God doesn't do these things by accident. If it's there, and and, and really, the times that it seems most weird, right, the most surprising, that this doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. Those are the times we really ought to dig down a little bit more because there's a reason that the Lord chose to include that 
in his inspired special revelation as he's speaking through these authors and carrying them along by the Holy Spirit. If Moses writes this, or whoever you know you accept as the author, I believe it was Moses, as tradition holds, but regardless, this is written at God's behest. Why? Well, the the theme of numbers as we as we see this governing principle, the, the melodic line of core reality, is that our unfaithful choices have consequences, but the Lord remains faithful to his promises. So everything, everything in the book of Numbers has to do with covenant. As we look at, at all of the, the first five books of the, of the Bible, it's covenant at the focus of it. And we see it really even throughout Israel's history, and we see it even in the New Testament as Jesus speaks of the new covenant in his blood. So and when we're talking about covenant, theologians and, and folks who are, are uh, uh, doxophiles, they want to, want to really focus in on, on doctrine and get geeky about it, which I can very often get geeky about these things. We might debate meaning of covenant and so on. But at its, at its root, at its heart, this has to do with God's promises to his people based on relationship, based on his own character his, he has made a promise to the people that he has made his people. And one of the things that we can see throughout the, the covenant realities of Scripture is that it's virtually always monergistic. In other words, there's a single agent. God is the one doing it. So when God makes a covenant with Israel, there are, uh, there are um, expectations, there are uh, covenant requirements, but God chose them. God institutes this. God puts them in a position to do it. And when God makes a promise, God keeps a promise. And so in this, how does that fit into what God's doing in numbers? And what we see is that in the difficulty of sin's lasting damage, God remains in control. Here we are centuries later, not just generations, centuries later. Jacob and Esau, before the children of Israel went, went into uh, Egypt and became slaves, they were there for over 400 years. So, you know, you're talking about you know, what, five, 500 years-ish right, right. of uh, of this division between them. And it, you know, it seemed like they reconciled, like Jacob and Esau reconciled, but then Jacob, you know, says, well, you go ahead, I'll catch up, I'll meet you there, and never shows up. Right. He goes and settles someplace else. So uh, who knows what's going through Esau or Edom's mind uh, as that goes on. But what we do see is that Edom, the... Uh, is not under God's promise. God's mm -hmm. covenant is with Jacob. Again, not based on the fact that Jacob is better than Esau. Their sins are different, but their sins are still sins. Right. And, and, and the sin that Jacob commits, the, the treatment of his brother, the deceitful way that he handles his relationships, has a lasting impact that carries out through generations. It affects him with Laban, uh, comes back on him in, in that, uh, that reflection of his own behavior. <clears throat> We see that uh, carried on in his sons. His sons don't handle themselves well, as we have a lot of stories related to that. Uh, and that, that's true of us as well. God didn't choose us because we're good people. It's specifically because we're not that Jesus died. If we were good people and could somehow deserve a relationship with God, we would not need the substitutionary atonement that we have in our Savior. But we can't, so we do. And he gave himself for us, not because we were good, but while we were yet sinners. In fact, Romans 8 tells us that we can't even repent. We, we don't have it in us 
to repent because our minds controlled by our sinful nature, they don't submit to God. They're hostile to God. They can't submit to God because we have too much sin, too much pride. Sounds a lot like these brothers. Right. So now, generations later, centuries later, we come to this place where Israel, connected to, to Edom, their, their brother, brother nations, you're not allowed to walk through our territory or we're bringing an army against you. Kind of a problem. There's a lasting damage. Yeah, (laughs) like like I said, Sunday, it makes that seem like just a normal family squabble. Right. But you look at feuds like the Hatfields and McCoys, most famous of those those feuds, these clan feuds that go on, and they go on for generations after everybody's forgotten what they're doing. Right, to the point where nobody even knows why we're feuding. Right, absolutely. I just actually watched an episode not too long ago on Wanted Dead or Alive uh, with Steve McQueen because I watch old things because I'm an old guy. Uh, anyway, I just makes me think of the Bon Jovi song. A little, little plug for Pluto, the Pluto app uh, streaming on my Roku TV. Very, very handy in catching these old shows. So I'm watching the They Wanted Dead or Alive channel. There's a floaty thing. Anyway, shoot it down. Wait, no, it's, <laughs> never mind. So anyway, uh, <laughs> just slightly pew, sidetracked. Pew. <laughs> with the, shoot it down with your laser eyes. <laughs> Get your glasses. And so anyway, uh, as we're. As we are returning to the, the rails to the home on of a crazy train. Podcast, uh, we were talking about the Bible and something super serious. Now we're talking about Ozzy Osbourne. Total, totally lost. <laughs> uh, I don't know how we got here, but <laughs> but this this ongoing thing happens. Oh, in the Steve McQueen episode, same kind of thing. They didn't even remember why they were fighting. Right. It happened somewhere up the line, and. And so now, generations later, my family hates your family, your family hates my family, we don't know why. Well, here you have a similar thing, but for centuries. Right. So the <clears throat> sin happened long ago, not even a part of these people, that, that, that particular thing. And the rift remains, the damage remains. And, and that's something that I think we often have this kind of romanticized version of what happens when we receive God's grace, when we repent, that all of a sudden everything just, it's gone. Clean slate, gone. You know, because, you know, we're a new creation in Christ and, and Jesus took all this stuff away. And that's true. Everything's great. When, and... when the Lord removes your sin, he removes it as far as the east is from the west. But we still live in reality where if I cut your arm off with a chainsaw, I can apologize and you can forgive me. And, and, and that can be complete and sincere. And we remove that sin from our memory and you don't hold it against me. I anymore. still don't got an arm. Still got no arm. Right. Unless you get a, a uh, robot arm. <laughs> right. Made, made out of uh, vibranium from, is that, from a, Wakanda. Is that, a, is that a Marvel thing so, that I'm not going to get? No, you're not. So we'll pray for you. Anyhow, uh, as we are, don't know what you're doing. Okay. But, <laughs> I, Can't you see I'm voguing? Mm-hmm. Remind, remind me to tell you Jamie's comment of, about oh Madonna. So, yeah. uh, I don't know if I want to hear it. Uh, it's just He's telling a whole story about, okay, this has nothing to do with the podcast. You guys just get a little extra bonus in here. So, Madonna uh, ain't Madonna my, my, my 10-year-old grandson uh, singing in this choir, and they're in competition and so on. And so the lady that's leading the choir uh, has been some professional things and sang – uh, at the Super Bowl with Madonna or at some big show nice. with Madonna. And uh, so Jamie's telling this whole story and it gets to the end. It's going on for like five minutes. It gets to the end of the story and he's like, and also, who's Madonna? <laughs> and <laughs> That's and we all just were like so old. And so Jessica, my sister-in-law, was like, 
Well, she's kind of like, you know, Britney Spears. Wait, no, that's too old. These right, people are yeah, just like, this Britney to, Spears. We're going to have to get today, So yeah. she finally was like, well, maybe like Taylor Swift kind of thing. So, man, when, when you Britney Spears is too old, that makes I me know, feel right? like a dinosaur. So, so anyway, anyway. It, it, the, the damage of sin cannot last <laughs> generations. And uh, as we see the damage of pop culture sin passing through generations, it, it creates a lot of difficulty. And so what, what we see here in the story is that th this previous sin has created a situation where God's not changing his plans. So they're still right. going into the promised land, but the journey they have to take to get to the promised land not even talking about the wilderness, which is a consequence of their own sin. But now, instead of going straight through Eden, Edom, taking the, uh, the the straight route, they have to take a circuitous route. They have to walk around, and, and it changes their path and creates great difficulty. And, and that's true for us. Even though we can get past the sin, and God's still doing what God's doing. He's, his plans haven't changed for us, and they're, they're for our good and his glory. But our sin can create difficulty that we have to deal with we have to walk through and and so i mean it's not really hard to see if i sin in my marriage and and i end up uh you know losing my wife's trust it's going to take a long way to to walk back through that that murky swamp to try and to earn that back and even then there, you know there's always going to be something in the back of that person's head that's like not fully where it was uh, potentially, I mean that, that's. I mean there is a path back. You can right. you can get to where there is absolute trust again, but that is a hard, long, long. road. Long. It doesn't come quickly. It doesn't come easily, and you know very often we end up you know not getting to that place. Right. And so you know if if you end up in a, in a divorce, we can move past it. We can even forgive. You still have to deal with the realities that's there and, and, and that are there. So then. Uh, you know, I know people, you know, people who have been divorced. I am a person who has been divorced. <laughs> well, let me finish. So the yes, I know people. That part, who have been divorced, who then are remarried, hmm. not you. Not me. And and they are able to come to complete forgiveness and everything is good and they can be completely amicable. And yet their children now have right. mixed homes. Right. And there is a, there's a, a, a fallout, a damage that doesn't, it doesn't get undone. And even though we love to say the kids will be fine, you know, the kids are all right. Uh, that's just simply not true. There is a, there's a lasting damage. My sin is passed on. And we need to recognize that sometimes we can't undo the destruction that's caused by our sinful choices. I can't give you your arm back. You know, um, you know, I use the kind of morbid illustration on Sunday that, you know, a, a drunk driver can pay the, pay the penalty for their crime. They can repent. They can change their ways. They can be forgiven. But when they run over that child and, steal that life they can't get that back mm -hmm. that is that is a destruction caused by sinful choices that no amount of sorry can undo like I, I tell my son sorry doesn't cut it <laughs> right yeah it, and it doesn't mean that that you shouldn't, you feel that shouldn't way. Right. have remorse and regret and repentance and even try to make amends but that doesn't fix the situation right I, you know if i break a lamp which <laughs> funny thing so uh, i just was thinking about this on the way home yesterday so we go over to my uh in-laws for the super bowl with all the kids and the many grandkids and the chaos and destruction and so <laughs> in the sermon i was talking about generations the damage of sinful choices and and, uh, and broken lamps 
and well, then they broke the lamp. They broke the lamp. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my kids and grandkids were all together there. We got four generations in the house, and the lamp gets broken. I'm like, huh. So, and it was a one of a kind lamp that was made as a gift for for course, my father. And so, it's it's just what it is. You can be sorry, right? You can apologize. Can't you can try lamp. to repair it, but you can't replace some things. You can't undo that damage. And it turns out it seems to have been broken before. And I probably was one of my children that did that uh, because in one of the breaks, there was already some glue there and mm. stuff. But uh, that that's one of the things I think we try to get away from. We try to act like, you know, once it's done, it's done, right? right. It, you, you know, why can't this person just forgive me? Well, it's not really how it works in real life a lot of the time. And so, I don't think that it's a matter of necessarily forgiveness. You know, people say, forgive and forget. And I think often it's the forget part that's difficult. Yeah. And there's, you know, there are different aspects to this. We kind of lump it all together. Mm -hmm. Like, like the forgive, forget it's all, it's all one thing. Well, forgiveness is a choice that I make right. to, to, to release you from your debt to me for the wrong that's been right, done. Right. So I, I, I'm no longer looking for revenge. I'm no longer looking for uh, recompense Some or kind of compensation. You, yeah. uh, and, you know, it's not, you know, getting paid back what you owe me. And, and sometimes it just can't be paid back. Mm -hmm. But forgiveness is letting you off my hook. Right. Trusting that God's going to handle what God's going right. to do. And, and, you know, now I, if I've truly forgiven someone, now what I want is your blessing. I want you to be blessed. Mm -hmm. That is not how we generally forgive people. We forgive right. in that, well, I no longer want to kill you. Right. You know, I, before <laughs> I wanted to see only bad things happen to you until I feel like you've paid the price. Right. And if I don't feel that, then that's forgiveness. Yeah, that's not completely. Maybe that's amnesty, we could say. But it's not true forgiveness because I still have a little bit of me that's like, serves you right. You right. got pulled over for speeding. Uh, you kind of deserve Karma. That, you know? uh, all those kinds of kinds of ideas. And forgiveness is an internal choice. It requires nobody else but me. Right. I choose to forgive. But the forgetting that's a flesh thing that, that sure. keeps bringing it back so that I have to then re forgive repeatedly because forgiveness isn't a one-time thing. It's right. an ongoing attitude, just like repentance isn't a one-time thing. Repentance is a quick, it's a turn that's mm -hmm. it's as immediate as that decision. But it, as Luther described it, it's a lifestyle of repentance. It's right. not an act. It's not a doing penance. It's not a, even just a, a changing of the mind and a turning of direction. It's a maintaining that direction. Now the right. new direction as I've changed the way I think about things and, and I'm, I'm moving forward that way. So it is, it's a new mind mm -hmm. in, in repentance. So we can't expect sins victims to just all of a sudden say, Oh, well, you know, you came to Jesus. So it's good. Right. You know, we're, we're, right. we're happy and we move on. Should they? Well, yeah, if we're not living in a fallen world, but we do live in a fallen world. We are imperfect people and sin has victims long after the moments pass. So when I have repented and I've gotten myself right with God, I can I can press on and maybe it's out of my mind. I've overcome it. That's not who I am anymore. We, we hear these kinds of things. My identity has changed. I'm a new creation in Christ. And therefore, I should have no repercussions. Mm -hmm. Nobody should look at me funny. You know, nobody should, you know, question me because of, of my past choices. Right. Man, that's not how reality is. Right. And so we have to learn to accept that, that I made choices. I paid the price for those choices. 
God has forgiven me. I don't have to pay the ultimate price for that choice, but that does not mean that I don't have to deal with the damage to my reputation, the, the mistrust that other people might have for me, the pain that I've caused to others, the, the struggles that I've caused my children because of this. Um, and, and children are always victimized by the sins of their parents. They always will be. There's no way really around that, even when you think your children don't know. And I see this, I think I see this more in, in, um, in the younger generations than, uh, than even in previous generations. I think it's always been there, but I think it's exacerbated now that we think, <laughs> if we speak in hushed tones, that the children don't know, that they don't pick up on it. Man, the sins you do, do in private, your children are still picking up on. You're, you know, whether they are conscious of it or not, there is a, uh, you know, hesitate to use the word, the word mystical or spiritual. Uh, and I don't want to imply the generational curse idea because I think it's so often misused and misapplied. But there is somehow, in ways that I don't understand, a connection mm -hmm. between the sins that I harbor in my heart that I may not even express sure. and the tendencies of my children. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so I need to actively work to undo that damage right. and to train them in the way they should go, not just in the way that they naturally go, because that's the way their previous generations have gone. The way that I have gone is not the way. The way of Christ is the way, and I have to work at that. And so as we are, are, are kind of looking at that whole issue of it, um, we need to recognize also that that uh, sometimes that that lasting impact is, uh, is something that's going to make it more difficult. It's going to impede the journey, just like it did with Israel. They, they had to take a, a longer route, a harder route than what they would have otherwise. Uh, but God's plan was still God's plan, and he didn't change. He keeps his promises. They will get to the promise line, and we'll see that coming up. And we will stop there for today. Thank you guys for listening. And, and enduring. And didn't do a what? Enduring. Oh, enduring, yes. Yeah. I thought you said didn't do a ring. I'm like, no, we didn't. All right, I'm going to stop. <laughs> we, we, there for now. we got rid of the ring. Catch you guys later.